Praise the Lord. Uh, it's good to be with Antioch West today. 
and obviously this is a little different than what you're used to and uh, we're happy to be able to uh, participate with you this Sunday morning actually recorded on the day before on Saturday and so we're happy that you're we're with you most of you are aware that my wife and I have been traveling the country this year and the Lord has given me a very specific direction for what we are to do on Sunday mornings. And uh, I have not yet had the direction to do this ministry for Antioch West. And that's what we're going to do today. I want to talk to you for a few minutes and uh, we're going to flow with ministry. This is not preaching. This is not teaching. This is ministry. And it's ministry of both the word and the spirit. This is what the Lord wants to do today. Uh, I have come to the understanding, especially in this last year and a half or so, that the absolute most critical uh, need in every human being's life is to have absolute confidence that Jesus loves them personally. There is no substitute for the love of God in our lives. There's no substitute for knowing that God loves us. There's absolutely no substitute for that. There's no amount of performance. There's no amount of doing the do's and not doing the don'ts. There's no amount of faithfulness to church services. There's no amount of uh, any other thing that we may or may not do as uh, a part of our faith that's as critical and as important as uh, knowing that God loves us. There's a lot of people that are faithful to participating in their faith, their religion, there's a lot of people that are faithful in prayer. A lot of people are faithful in prayer. But, uh, but many, many people uh, consciously or subconsciously are doing these things in order to try to convince God to love them uh, because they're trying to be good enough and trying to obey God enough so that he will love them. This is so far from God's uh, intention and it's so far from the love of God that it's, uh, it would be almost laughable, except that it's not at all. It's very serious. And this is exactly what most people do and are doing. They're trying to be worthy of God's love. People are trying to earn God's love. They're trying to be worthy of God's love. But there's a problem. Biblically, you and I cannot possibly ever qualify to be worthy of God's love. It's not possible. As long as God left us in this stuff right here, this flesh, I will never be able to qualify for being good enough or worthy enough for God to love me. <clears throat> so if I'm going to be loved by God, there's got to be some other way that I become aware of and believe and have confidence in the love of God for me other than my own worthiness, by my own goodness or my efforts to be good. And, uh, I have, again, I've traveled all over the country this year, literally, uh, all the way across the south, up the west coast, across the, across the north of the middle, down through the middle of the country. And uh, I will tell you this, that I have been become absolutely convinced that the number one need in the body of Christ today is people simply absolutely believing and knowing God loves them. Absolutely convinced of it. And that most people that struggle in their walk with God, 
Most people that don't have real righteousness and peace and joy and hope and uh, purpose and whatever, they're people that are trying to earn or deserve the love of God. If I'm going to be able to be loved by God, it's on his terms alone, not on mine. The verse we all know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. And here's the condition that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's love gives. He doesn't reward work. I don't, I'm not saved because he's rewarding me with salvation because of my work. I believe the word of God. I believe there are do's in the word of God and there are don'ts in the word of God. I believe that. I believe it with everything in me. But I'm not saved by my works doing those things. My faith is, uh, is confirmed by my works. The scripture teaches that. But Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. So for my faith to work, so that my works, my deeds are acts of faith and not acts of religion trying to earn or deserve God's love. Uh, my faith has to be motivated by, operated by his love. And it can't be if I'm not convinced God loves me. I have to believe that. And one of the most important verses that I've used this year, not every service that I've ministered on this subject, but many of them, is of course 1 John four sixteen. John said, we have known and believed the love that God hath for us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. And the word know there is the Greek word that means to know something by experience. And then he said, we have known and believed. The word believe there in the Greek means to cling to, to rely upon, to depend upon. I can't cling to, rely upon, and depend upon someone that I don't know, that I'm not absolutely convinced that they love me. So I have to, if I'm going to know God and God is love, then I have to experience God's love. And then I have to, I've got to trust in his love. So I've got to know him through letting him love me. And when I let him love me, I become convinced that he's reliable, he's dependable. And that I, 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 I this is so critical see, because the Bible says our sins and our iniquities have separated between us and God. And so people go, oh, that, oh I'm, I'm a terrible shape. God, I haven't been good enough because I've done this, that, and the other. No. In the garden, who hid from whom? Adam and Eve sinned. Who did the hiding? Who did the hiding? God didn't hide from Adam and Eve because they sinned. Man sinned from, man hid from God because of his sin. Because he promised us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to just forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the verse before that says in 1 John 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. Does that sound like he expects me to be perfect? Does that sound like he expects me to never make a mistake? No. No, 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 no. When I think about this, <laughs> that I've got this stuff, and that I'm not perfect, and I, I, and I, have, I have been repenting of my sins, I've been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, 
I, I, I love God. I want to be saved. And I think about, well, how in the world can I be saved when, what if I do something wrong and I don't even know about it? Because the Bible talks about secret sins. What, what, if, what, what if there's something in me that's wrong that I'm not even, I don't even know about it? I'm going to be lost. I'm going to be lost. No, no. If, he, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just, for, just forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. The point is here. If I'm going to be saved, I have to live a repented life. Not a perfect life, a repented life. Now, this is so foreign to our religion because our religion is trying to be good to get God. But you don't, get, you don't, you don't be good to get God. You get God so you can be good. If I'm trying to be good enough for God, it's never going to happen. There's only one good, and that's God. Nobody's ever going to be good enough for God by myself. There's only one good. Romans 3 said there's only one good. None good except God. When the rich young ruler said to Jesus, good master, he said, whoa, you're calling me good? There's none, there's none good but one, and that's God. If I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to be God. That's idolatry. I'm not trying to be good. I'm just simply trying to Walk by faith and live a repentant life. And whatever God's able to do and willing to do through me, and he gives me the grace to let him do that through me, then I've got peace. I'm not living in fear. I'm not living under pressure because I can't do this perfectly. He never expected me to do this perfectly. <clears throat> if he expected me to do this perfectly, then why is he the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world? Before he even created the universe, in the mind of God, he was, the, he was going to become the Lamb of God that was going to be slain for man's sin? Tell me he thought we were supposed to live this perfectly if before he even created all of this, not even counting creating man, before he created anything, in his own mind he was the Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. And yet we live this religious life, trying to be perfect, living under pressure, trying never to make a mistake. Well, it, 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 I don't want to make a mistake, but I don't fear that as long as I'm willing to completely repent as soon as I'm aware that I need to repent. This is what the love of God does, you see. This is what the love of God does. God gave his son. He loved us so much. He gave his son in our place so we could be forgiven. That's what he did for us. That's how we know the love of God, so we can trust the love of God. We've experienced the love of God so that we can depend on the love of God because God is love. And he, he that dwelleth in love dwells in God and God in him. The next verse says, herein is our love, the King James says, made perfect. Or the Greek is literally, by this means, our love is, grows into maturity so that we can depend upon our confidence in his love. So that we can rely upon our confidence in his love. What he, what's the process? By experiencing his love and growing to depend upon his love. By that our love is, becomes mature or dependable. Why? Because so that we can, King James says, so that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. You've heard me talk about this probably before. The word judgment there in the Greek is the English equivalent letters. K-R-I-S-I-S. -I -I Why is it some people fall apart 
They do really well walking with God when things are going okay. But you let stuff start going bad and they fall apart. Why do they fall apart? Because they don't trust the love of God. It's not because they've done something wrong. It's not because they've got some kind of problem or failure. God knew all about all of that. The love of God knew all about all of that before he ever created all of this. And he knew me personally and he knew you personally. Before he created all this, we were all created in the mind of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 or 4 says that we were, we were selected by God in him before the foundation of the world. There isn't anything about my life. It's ups and downs and ins are out that he's not aware of in advance. But he loves me enough. He's provided the way for me to walk through the valleys and be on the mountaintops. And all of that is to demonstrate his love for me so that I know I'm not doing this for myself. I'm not doing this by myself. I'm not doing this to earn anything. Just a conduit of his love. But I can't be a conduit of his love if I don't receive his love so the love of God can flow through me to others. And so when I, get, when I can't handle crisis, the problem really is I just don't trust his love. I don't trust his love. I don't. I, I need to experience it and trust it. And the only way I can experience it is on his terms. His terms are... I have to receive it as a gift. I can't earn it or deserve it. Nobody has ever earned the love of God. Nobody has ever deserved the love of God. Nobody ever, nobody ever will earn the love of God. Nobody ever will uh, deserve the love of God. That's why in heaven we're going to get off our thrones, fall down below his feet, and cast our crowns at his feet. Because we know we didn't get ourselves there. And as long as we're trying to save ourselves by being good, rather than just loving God and letting his love work in me and through me what he wants to. And I don't do that perfectly. I'm not going to do that. I, this, I know to the religious, and I know what the religious think because I was religious. Religious think, you're just giving us an excuse to sin. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm telling you the facts. It's not an excuse to sin. I'm telling you you're going to sin. You're not going to do this perfectly. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to earn his love. You can't do it. Because if you can earn his love, you get the credit, you get the glory. But if you can't earn his love, he gets the credit, he gets the glory. And he's never going to give you and I the glory, ever. So what do we do about it? Well, <laughs> if we want to know his love, we've got to let him help us to eliminate those things that are blockages in us that keep us from simply receiving his love. And how do we do that? Well, the first one is sin. No matter what it is, big or small, as we would say, no matter what it is, whatever it is that makes us feel guilty, that we, we may, maybe we've prayed about it, but we really haven't let it go, and it still brings us condemnation. And if I, if I feel guilt or condemnation, I don't believe he loves me. I said this to, to a group uh, just a, a week or so ago, I said to them, uh, when I repent but still walk around acting in, guilty, I don't believe he forgave me. If I believe he forgave me, then I'm justified. And what does justified mean? They taught us in Sunday school justification is 
He makes it just as if we'd never done it. Now, the hypocrites got it right in principle. The hypocrites pretending like they never did anything wrong. But the hypocrite is pretending in his own pride. And the hypocrite's not repenting and, repenting and acknowledges his sin, his sin. But if he did all the work, he died on the cross, he, he, his love caused him to give himself for me, then if I repent, shouldn't I immediately act like I'm forgiven? Shouldn't I begin to immediately act like I'm forgiven? Instead of going around with a long face and moping around, what's wrong? Well, I committed a sin 2,332 days ago, and, I, and I'm still not, I haven't beat myself up yet for it so that I can allow God to forgive me. No, no, I'm not trying to be ridiculous here. I'm trying to make a point. And so he said, by experiencing the love of God and by also um, trusting in the love of God, then I repent. And if I do that, then I will have confidence in the day of crisis. Uh, and then the next verse says, there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. The word no there in the Greek is absolutely. There's absolutely no fear in love. So if I have fear, there's only one source of fear. I don't trust his love. If I have fear over anything, there's no fear in love because fear hath torment and perfect love or mature, dependable love casteth out fear. He that feareth, according to the scripture says, is not made perfect or complete or mature in their confidence in the love of God. Now, the Lord acknowledges there are those that he loves and that are trying to love him <clears throat> that don't have confidence yet in his love. But as we grow up in that, we come to the place there's no fear. There's nothing to fear. That's why we don't panic at a day of crisis, because of the love of God, the love of God. And, of course, that last verse says, we love him because he first loved us. Now, the problem is this. So many people think that they are too bad to be forgiven. You want to know what the real truth is? They're too proud to let him forgive them. Because he'll forgive you on his terms. His terms are you don't try to earn or deserve it. You just let his love forgive you. But when we try to be good enough to get God, that's, that's not humility, that's pride. That's pride. It's not humility, it's pride. If I'm trying to get good enough for so God will forgive me. That's not humility, it's pride. And the love of God has done all the work. That's our problem, you see. Because to be forgiven, it seems and feels too easy. It should be harder than this. Well, then we need to go back and read Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53 and read the end of Gospels, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and find out how hard it was for him. He did all the work so he could get all the credit. He did the sacrificing. He's the one that bled. He's the one that died. He's the one that suffered for my sins, and he gets the credit. That's why it's so easy for us because he gets the credit. We don't get the credit. So we, the place we have to start it here, we have to start with the fact that we need to repent of our sins. 
You say, well, I've done that. No, no, both uh, Matthew 6 and Luke 11, Jesus teaches us to repent every day, every day. I need to examine myself by the Holy Spirit of God every day. I need to repent for anything I've done today, but I also need to repent for anything that I've done in the past that I've asked him to forgive me, but I haven't really let go of. I'm still beating myself up over it, still feeling guilty about it because I haven't let him do that. Okay? And so I know this is a little different doing this streamed, and this is the first time I've done this streamed and stood stood it to a congregation, but we're going to take a moment now and pray, and we're going to spend a couple of moments here praying specifically right now, not later, right now. We're going to ask the Lord to forgive us. Now, I don't know if you're sitting with other people, but the Bible says we have to confess our faults. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If I don't confess my, my, my sins and ask you to forgive me, I'm not exercising my will. And he cannot and will not violate my will. I don't have to say it loud enough for anybody sitting close to me to understand. And I don't know where you're sitting right now. I don't know who's around you. You may be by yourself. But if you're with anybody else, you have to confess. But you don't have to say it loud enough. Anybody can hear it. But you have to speak it. Why? Because God has determined he will not violate anybody's will and make them be forgiven and make them be saved. So I have to do that. Can we do that right now? We're going to take a few moments right now, Father. I confess every sin. I confess every iniquity, Father. You know those things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Father. I confess everything. I don't want anything standing between you and me. I don't want anything hindering me from believing that you love me, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I loose the spirit of the love of God. I loose the spirit of the, uh, of the grace of God wherever you are right now. I loose the spirit of forgiveness. I loose the spirit of faith for forgiveness. I loose the spirit of humility that we would receive forgiveness on his terms. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. The blood. Because he loves me. 
That's the only worthiness I have to be talking to you today is the blood of Jesus. I have no other right to talk to you about your soul, but my soul has been washed by the blood of Jesus. It's not by my goodness. It's not by any works that I have done. Not by any works of righteousness I've done, but by the grace of God, because of the love of God that gave his life for me that I could be forgiven. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Some of you have sincerely done your best to repent, but you don't still don't really feel forgiven. You don't really feel forgiven. Well, there's another obstacle to us believing God loves us. Jesus said that if I won't forgive those that have offended me, he can't forgive me. But they're not worthy to forgive to be forgiven. I just ask him to forgive me and I'm not worthy to be forgiven. I can't receive forgiveness with me being unworthy and then refuse to forgive somebody else because they're not worthy to be forgiven of what they've done for me. The same blood that was shed for my forgiveness was shed for their forgiveness for what they did against me. But the problem is this. I was uh, ministering in Providence, Rhode Island, the end of June. The Lord said something to me that I've never heard before. He said, the things that people do to us, they build the walls of the prison of unforgiveness. But the Lord Jesus Christ, his love and his blood opened the doors of that prison so that if I'm living in the bondage of what, what's been done to me or what wasn't done to me or some grudge I've got or hurt I've got toward any person, I'm living in that prison with an open prison door that was opened by the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I live in the bondage of that hurt and bitterness and those painful memories, it's by my own choice. It's not by his choice. Because he, he is the one that opened that prison door. And how, how much in bondage do we feel when we can't get past what was done to us? Can't get past what happened to us. We can't, we can't get past that. We hold it against this person, that person, whatever. But how horrible is it when we finally realize that all this time we could have walked out of that prison and been free from, those, from our past. Because Jesus opened the door. But we chose to keep our grudges and to stay in that bondage. So now... We got to go to this next step because you want the love of God, don't you? You want to receive the love of God. Well, part of receiving the love of God is not just repenting for our sins. Part of receiving the love of God is, is, is forgiving those that have wronged us, regardless of what it was, what they did they shouldn't have done, what they didn't do they should have done. I've got to forgive that because otherwise I live in bondage. And, 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 and well, it's their fault. So what? You're choosing to live in the bondage of what they did. You, you're giving them control over your happiness, over your peace, over your joy by not letting it go. So we're going to pray right now. Again, it has to be spoken out loud. It doesn't have to be spoken loud enough for anybody to hear it but you. You hear me right now. There's people that are listening to this, this uh, uh, message that your life will never be the same after this moment. If you'll let God do this, he cannot force himself on you. He will not force himself on you, but he's offering you this today. 
He's reaching out to you, offering you to take these things away that are hindering you and your relationship with him. So let's do that now. In Jesus' name, Father, by your grace, Father, because of your love, I confess and I forgive every person that has wronged me in any way. I don't want anything in my life, Father, that, that, that is contrary to your love. Nothing, Father. I don't want anything that's contrary to your love. I let it all go, Lord. I, I don't want there to be anybody's name or, or any person I would see that I can't, I can't ask you to bless them, that I can't bless them and be, be loving and kind to them because I got something in my spirit against them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we set us free right now, Father. You've already opened the prison door to our bondage to unforgiveness, but give us the grace to walk out of that door right now. Give us the grace to let it go free. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> come on, let that blood not only forgive you, but let that blood help you to forgive others so you can be free. In the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, be free. Be free from the prison of your unforgivenesses. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. In the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, be free. It reaches to the highest mountain. Oh, it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me someone else we need to forgive Paul said herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and man John Jesus said to John the Baptist through his disciples in prison blessed is he that's not offended in the way I run his life there's some of us here right now that need to forgive God we blame him because he let this thing happen that we didn't want to happen we blame him because he didn't make this thing happen we wanted to happen we blame him because we had a loved one die. We blame him because our life wasn't what, what somebody else's was or the way we would like to, for it to be. We blame God because he let us go through these things. And, and we say we don't, but we do. And we know that we don't because when we're in a crisis and we need, need to be able to trust him and trust his love for us, we just can't do it. We take over and try to fix it ourselves. We take over and try to change it ourselves because We've got, we can't trust him while there are things we're blaming him for. There are things we're blaming him for. Come on, we need to forgive God right now for everything we blamed him for. 
everything that's happened in our life we blame him for everything that uh, didn't happen that we think should have that we blame him for everything that that he's let happen when we sought his will and believed we were doing his will and then he let bad stuff happen and we blame him for that rather than trusting him in his love we need to let that go we need to let it go it's a block between us and believing and experiencing and, 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 and knowing the love of God come on let's tell him right now Jesus I forgive you Jesus I forgive you forgive me for blaming you Father I have forgive me I blame you I, I forgive you Father by your grace and love for me I let these things go in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus come on receive it right now receive it right now <laughs> in the name of Jesus receive it right now the Spirit of the Lord is reaching to you right now receive it in Jesus name in Jesus name Jesus how I trust story but I was molested when I was five years old I'm not going to go into the details of the story here there you can watch uh, the testimony in full there's two seminars where I told the story in both of them that are on Apostolic Iron YouTube channel and it was also broken down to individual shorter sessions and on the Bible with the Bishop YouTube channel but I hated myself for 33 years I I, I I was trying to be a Christian, trying to be a husband, a father, a pastor, and I hated myself. I was never good enough. I was never good enough. I was broken. I was a mistake. Uh, I didn't have any hope of being fixed. And the Lord sent me to a man of God. When I had no idea what was wrong to me, he sent me to a man of God. This man of God ministered to me and helped me to understand the need to forgive myself because I was beating myself up for stuff that uh, it really wasn't my fault. But even with that, if it had been my fault and I was beating myself up for it, it's not good enough. I have to receive the love of God. And if I have a grudge against, if, I, if I've offended God by sin, if I have a grudge against people, if I have a grudge against God or I have a grudge against myself, those things block my ability to believing that God loves me. And the symptoms of me having blocked confidence in his love is 
when, when I'm in crisis, I panic or I have fear or I can't trust him. I don't let him forgive me easily. When I, when I don't trust the love of God, I don't let him forgive me easily. Even when I do repent, I continue to act like I'm still guilty rather than believing he has changed my life and going on in him. Uh, all of these things are the case. So we're going to pray one more time. And I, I'm, I'm not rushing through this, but in this setting, in this situation, because I know that uh, you can watch this online, it's available, and I would encourage you to do that uh, for your own benefit because the Lord wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. But the whole purpose of all of this is not, I not only want to experience the love of God, I want to trust the love of God. I want to believe the love of God. I want to have confidence in the love of God for me. That I, all I have to do to let him love me is to receive his love on his terms. So he gets the credit. So we're going to pray one more time and we'll worship as we do this and we'll close it out like this. But we're going to pray a little bit and then we're going to sing and whenever we're through singing, then we will conclude this ministry today. But the Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is working on you because there's nothing God wants you to know more that, than that you, He loves you. God wants you to know He loves you more than He wants you to know anything else. Because if I know God, the love of God, I know God because God is love. If I know God, I know the love of God. I can't know God without knowing the love of God. I can't know the love of God without knowing God because God is love. That's why it's so critical to God for him to, for us to know uh, he loves us because we can't know God without knowing the love of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, by your grace, we let go of all these things we beat ourselves up over all these years, all these regrets, all of these uh, disappointments, all this self-blame, all of these things that we have punished ourselves with. All these things that, make, that keeps us from believing that you love us. We give them all to you today, Father. We receive your love today, Jesus. We receive your grace to be able to receive you. We receive your love today, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, thank you for loving us, Father. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. <laughs> oh, he touched me. And
you've let the Lord touch your heart today. He loves you so very much. It's the most wonderful thing in the world to have confidence that God loves you. Not because of what you've done or not done. Not because of your past, but because of your present, present in Him. You are in Him. And He loves you because you're in Him. That's what He wants for you today. God bless you in Jesus' name.